I think the future will uh, give us many new opportunities with, uh, with this technology. Uh, the technology is certainly not yet uh, perfect. Uh, it can hallucinate, uh, it can be biased, uh, its knowledge is not yet up to date, uh, it's only trained until uh, data until 2021. Um, but uh, if you start to work out this type of technology and start to bring it into domain knowledge, you start to bring it in to train it on, on uh, really on the supply chain planning domain, it really gives you new opportunities. You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. I'm delighted to say that this week I'm joined by Ike LeBlanc and Freik Artson from Forecasting and Planning Specialists ION. If you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I recognize one of those names. Well, that's because we had Ike on the show last year to discuss why it's time to start rethinking supply chain design. Ike and I have been in contact ever since, and when I heard that he and his colleague Frank had co-authored a new ebook on ChatGPT, which is a subject that I myself am very curious about, I knew that I had to get them both on the show. During our conversation, Ike, Frank, and I discussed the use cases for ChatGPT, the lessons they learned during the making of the ebook, and what the future relationship between man and machine will look like moving forward in our industry. I hope you enjoy. Hi, both. Welcome to Transform Talks. Good morning, Maria. Good to be here again. Hey, Maria. Good morning. Now, I'm very interested to have this conversation with you because it's a very, very topical topic that we're going to be discussing. And uh, I love the way that you frame, you're going to frame this. So, uh, but before we get started, I, last time uh, when Ike was here on the podcast, I started with a question uh, around some of his passions, which were Formula One. So this time, uh, Freck, I'm going to touch on one of your passions, which I know is long distance running. So I'm curious to know if you've ever applied any kind of, you know, uh, tactics or strategies from uh, your expertise in forecasting and planning when you're organizing a run, or do you prefer to freestyle your runs? You know, is there anything uh, similar there? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a really nice question, uh, Maria. But because for me, running is some sort of metaphor of life. Uh, so also... Uh, my working life. Um, I think when you when you look at my my, my training, uh, there are two things I know. I know A where I start and I know B where I finish, and I have some sort of view. Okay, I'm going to get from A to B in this this way. Um, but what I love to do is to use, let's say, the terrain around me to uh, set my training. So I I know approximately how I will run, which track I will follow. But it's always different since I live in Switzerland. I live close to the mountains. It's always different. Um, so at a certain moment in time, uh, I see a nice track going left. I take the left left corn, left turn, and then I'll see where I get to. Uh, but in the end, I'll get to I'll get to B anyhow to 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 my end uh, goal. And it's a bit like what we do in our work when we do some sort of digital transformation projects. You know, you know you are here now at, at A, and you know you want to go to B, which is uh, that's the vision you have with your uh, getting digitized. And then along the way, you have to embark 
on all opportunities you see. Uh, sometimes uh, it doesn't go the way you want. We, I'm involved in quite some, some, some proof of concepts. Some are really successful, some are less. But you have to, to start adapting or keep adapting to, to what the environment offers you. In my case, for my running part, what my trails offer me or the weather or meeting other people during the, the training. And that gets me from, from A to B. So I like, I like your, 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 your parallel between running and, and or asking about my running. It's, it's really for me a metaphor of my work. And I love the way that you, you've done you know, an analogy as well to digital transformation that it seems like you, know, you never know if it's going to get rain and thunder on you when you didn't plan on it or, uh, or snow or whatever. So, okay, I want to jump now to ChatGPT because it is all the rage. It's, you, know, you open up a, 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 I don't know, a TV station or you, you know, look online and people are talking about ChatGPT. Now, it would be easy for us to assume that all of our listeners have heard about it. Maybe some of them are living under a rock because I think everyone's heard about it. But um, maybe people don't know exactly what it is. So maybe for the benefit of the listeners, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, would you be able to quickly sum up the technology and why it's caught the imagination of so many people? Uh, thank you for your question, uh, Maria. Uh, ChatGPT is a kind of uh, chatbot. It's uh, based on uh, GPT-3, uh, which is a class of uh, language models. And uh, I think it's a topic that went uh, quite viral in, in the last uh, uh, the last past months, actually, because it's only existed since the end of uh, 2022. Um, and I think uh, there are a couple of reasons for it. I think the first reason is accessibility. Um, it has become accessible through a very uh, user-friendly interface. Uh, you, you log in, you can type your question, and you get an answer. Um, the second, uh, and in the past, in the past, you used to to upload uh, within Python certain packages, and then you could were able to do some uh, some things with uh, with language models. And I think that accessibility uh, made it go viral. Uh, the second reason, it turns out to be very knowledgeable, and everybody has experienced chatbots on websites and asking questions to it, and then you get kind of very silly answers. You're not being understood. And I think this one uh, was amazing in terms that it gave human-like answers. Eh? At first instance, it turned out to be very knowledgeable, and its answers are coherent and fluent. Eh? And, and, and that was, uh, I think, pretty unique. And it was not only uh, questions you could ask, but you could also ask, for example, coding. Uh, and I think that knowledgeable uh, thing uh, made it go viral. And there is a powerhouse of Microsoft uh, behind it nowadays. It was trained over half a gigabyte of, uh, of text data. And imagine only only the Wikipedia was only 3% of the amount of data it was trained on. So it, it's, it's incredible what those uh, those guys of OpenAI have been doing there. And Freak and I and Joost Honger, who is not participating in this, uh, in this uh, uh, podcast, uh, the three of us, we basically came up with the idea to ask ChatGPT 100 plus questions about SOP. And we wrote an ebook on that, and that, that ebook is, uh, is freely available uh, online. And in this, uh, this, this ebook, we gave it a provocative title I, the consultant, is that. And the reason for it is that if you have a chatbot like ChatGPT that is so knowledgeable, can it answer all the questions around SOP? And we started to ask them all the questions, and we basically rated them. How well are the answers given by ChatGPT? Do we like them? Are they mediocre? Or do we say, well, here it basically uh, is not uh, uh, not hitting uh, uh, the mark that we would expect. So hold on, because you, you just said a lot here, and I want to digest that for uh, for our listeners. So first of all, 
ChatGPT, okay, it's it's exciting. It sounds more human. It is. Um, it, it can do much more than just say speak to this customer representative here, or you know, it, it's shown us the possibility. But I think a lot of companies are struggling in our space in supply chain to connect the dots between this cool new trick, this cool new tech, and how do I actually make this work within the supply chain industry? So the fact that you have actually put it to the test is, is quite exciting and it's why we're here. Now, for, again, the book that you wrote, I wanna say it again, and I love the provocative, the provocative uh, title you gave it, AI Consultancy is Dead, 100 plus SNOP questions answered by ChatGPT. I mean, you did not hold back here. You, you, you went for that, right? Um, before we get into the questions, how did you come up with the title? Um, we came up with the title that because if if a chatbot is able to provide all the answers a, a company needs, then you don't need a consultant anymore. And what turns out is that uh, the chat GPT is like a smart kid, uh, the smartest kid in the class. It gives all the answers. It gives all the answers uh, from the theory, but it doesn't give you a practical advice. And I think that is where still consultants bring an experience. They bring uh, 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 knowledge that is gathered from reality. And I think that is still very worthwhile. So uh, if you, for example, uh, ask ChatGPT how to implement SNOP for a, a chemical company, it will give you exactly the same answer if you ask it, uh, what will it do for an FMCG company? And if you then start to ask more questions, probably it will give some nuance, but it will not talk from an experience. So it is theoretically correct, but it is practically not always immediately applicable. And I think that's the field where we as supply chain experts, we as supply chain consultants, still add a lot of value. So first time being afraid, not really being afraid, but being provocative and saying, hey, AI will replace a lot of uh, high qualified work. I think there is still room for a lot of uh, high qualified work because you need to experience on how to do it in practice. And the soft part will be the hard part in the end, because in the end, you still need to drive the change in an organization. But I'm still believing AI will fundamentally change the way we do business these days. So, Frick, I wanna ask you this question. You were, you were very keen to stress that whilst, uh, yes, ChatGPT can provide knowledge, it can't tell you how to apply that knowledge. Uh, which you both insist is just as important, if not more important, right? So how much of ChatGPT's future success do you think will come down to how quickly and successfully we're able to come to terms with the human-machine relationship moving forward? I think it holds for ChatGPT, like it holds for, for many AI applications. The interaction between man and machine makes it really um, stick. One of the reasons I think, and also uh, uh, you can elaborate on that one, that ChatGPT got so much interest is if, if you key in a question, it feels like he or she or it or is thinking. And then after a certain moment of thinking, he is giving you the answer back. Well, technically, it could, let's say, pot, pop the answer like there, and it's typing. And so it, I think one of the, the, the critical successes of, the, of, of ChatGPT is, is its user interface. If I would translate it to our field, we do quite a bit of APS implementations, advanced planning systems or advanced planning and scheduling. If you look to the interface that we have been building over the last 25 years or 30 years, actually there we are missing out. 
it, it's, it's really nice because I, I started to work in planning, let's say, 30 years ago, and I had some sort of Excel-like uh, user interface with a lot of lines, a lot of columns, and some sort of crappy graph on top of it. By coincidence, my youngest son also decided to become uh, to go into the planning area. So he came back after his first week of, uh, of work, and he said to me, Dad, what happened in this world? Because I, I have my... I, I control my car, actually, it's my car, not his car, but I control it via a, 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 a really nice user interface, which is called a screen. I control my entire private life via a screen, which is called uh, uh, iPhone. Actually, I do everything with some sort of uh, intuitive kind of, kind of uh, interface to the machine. And then I end up at my work, and I'm looking at this kind of big spreadsheet with a crappy graph on top of it, where I have to key in numbers. So it's, I think for, for us and, and in the field, we have to take a really step up there. Uh, when you talk about uh, AI, machine learning, all the cool stuff here, I think that the, the trick is not only in getting the machine right, but especially in getting the interface right to, to humans, to make it acceptable. We do a lot of, of work now about, uh, we call it explainability of models. So the machine gives you something and we give with it a, an explanation why the machine comes with this answer. And we see that it, it really improves, let's say, the expectation of, of the outcome of, for example, an AI-generated forecast by, by the planner, by the demand planner. So I think, uh, coming back to your question, this user interface is really, really, really one of the important elements in making it a, su a success, uh, has been a major element in making it a success, besides the answers are cool and good and nice, and, and, but also the way it interacts with, with us humans makes it really cool. Well, you, you know, it's, that story is really interesting because you have a live example that you see of someone utilizing the technology, and I say technology in, in, in sort of inverted commas here, that you were using 30 years ago, and now your son is using the same. I mean, that, I don't know whether to laugh or to, or to think, you know, how sad is it that the world has moved on so much, but yet the life of planners and the life of supply chain executives has not evolved in any way, shape, or form. That the next generation, i.e. your son, is using the same thing you were, I mean, so I don't know whether to laugh or cry. So do you think that, you know, and, you're, and I love the way that your son put it, he's right. I mean, my car has got like these advanced dashboards, my iPhone, my computer, I've got like multiple screen, you know, so there's a lot that has moved on in terms of how we interface with technology, how we interface with, uh, uh, with the work that we do. But yet, there, you know, with with some of the other work that we're doing, there's there's not. So let's talk a little bit about ChatGPT in and of itself. Like, uh, Ike, you you talked about how um, it it can't give you you know examples of something specific. It can give you the theoretical knowledge, but yet the human being still needs to apply that. Well, is this not something that may be coming down the line? I mean, at the end of the day, we're still seeing the first iteration of chat GPT, what does the future hold? I, I think the future will uh, give us many new opportunities with, uh, with this technology. Uh, the technology is certainly not yet uh, perfect. Uh, it can hallucinate, uh, it can be biased, uh, its knowledge is not yet up to date, uh, it was only trained until uh, data until 2021. Um, but uh, if you start to work out this type of technology and start to bring it into domain knowledge, you start to bring it in to train it on, on uh, really on the supply chain planning domain, 
uh, really gives you new opportunities. Um, and let's start generic. Uh, Microsoft will, for example, bring at the end of this year uh, a premium version of MS Teams. That premium version of MS Teams will automatically summarize meetings, will take notes of meetings, and will generate actions. So imagine your SNP meeting, that only minutes after you have finished your SNP meeting, the actions can immediately be deployed. And if you, for whatever reason, could not attend, you have a summary of the meeting, and you can watch back on a video just the relevant area, the relevant time, uh, time pieces, and that could that could be a boost for productivity. Nevertheless, eh, I think an SNP meeting is the most important meeting in any as a company, so you should attend. But in case it happens, you have a very good uh, good way to uh, to catch up what's what's happening in the organization. That's one. But second, um, imagine a demand planning process. And in a demand planning process, it's it's a good practice to capture uh, notes on why you make changes to a plan, yeah, the the man machine trade-off. And so you make manual changes to a plan. Imagine that you can uh, process those uh, those notes. Yeah? Uh, customer transfers to a new product. Uh, customer has maintenance being planned. All those notes they basically imply a change to the demand plan. And if you can interpret those changes and basically can translate that in automatic enrichments or automatically measure the effectiveness of those enrichments, that is that that, that technology needs a, a ChatGPT-like technology to interpret those notes. And that's uh, some some of that's for example an application of uh, a similar AI technology within the supply chain planning field. And if you can do it with demand planning. Uh, the same you can do with inventory or with supply planning uh, processes. And you can start use this technology in the favor of making uh, the interaction with the planner better, making it more dynamic, and then resolving the challenge that Fred described with uh, supply chain planning uh, and the old systems with his son. I want to talk now briefly about pace of change, because uh, I mean, referring back to uh, uh, to your son again, uh, Frick, it's. 30 years have passed and there hasn't been that much change in the way we do things. Enter ChatGPT and already we are talking about at the end of the year a fundamental change in the way that we do business. Do you think that the world of supply chain, the world of planning, really truly the people on the ground are prepared for the kind of change that's going to happen at the pace it's going to happen? I think what we see in, in in supply chain, we have always been in a changing world. Like um, and from supply chain, we also change the world. If you think to global economy, has largely thrived on the invention of the container. So within supply chain, we will always be part of this this changing world. What I, what I think what we what we will see is that yes, we will have changes uh, changes coming up. Um, if I, if I look at my son, which is from a totally different generation, and we have, if, at least let's look at the US and, and, and Western Europe, the amount of, of people that are entering, let's say, the labor market is also reducing. So we, we have to start changing, only for the sheer fact that we have less people that have to do the same amount of work. So we have to start applying technology to get that to get that going. Besides the better output uh, you get, it's like it's, it's like like doing a a diagnosis on an MRI scan. Um, uh, yeah, you don't have that many people that can do so. So let's let's aut automate it a bit. So we have less people there to can who can let's say do the job. So we, we are forced to start applying um, new technologies. A second thing what happens is that that those new technologies are also moving forward. 
like uh, if, if you now go to the to the Bay Area, San Francisco, and um, uh, uh, there are thousands of startups in the in the um, in the supply chain area. If it's around, let's say, having trade platforms, which is also a bit old, but newer ones. If it's about uh, optimization, if it's about let's say applying blockchain, so we will also have some sort of technology push there uh, uh, coming in. So I think we 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 yeah we have to to move on uh, in our field, um, and I think the challenges uh, get bigger and bigger. So we have to be we have to be prepared for for um, for for that one. So I think uh, ChatGPT is only one uh, application. It's nice because it was referring to the, to the examples. We are now starting a, a pilot on our side within the company because we do quite some APS implementations. Why can't we use the ChatGPT uh, logic to build our own ChatGPT for APS knowledge? Uh, and we're going we're gonna to give it to our customers when we do an APS implementation. It doesn't matter which one, online, SAP, you name them all. But then what you can do is say, okay, you just type in the question and instead of a consultant coming in, you have a Q&A for, for your ChatGPT. So we will see it moving on, and I think we have to we have to see uh, it moving on for a couple of reasons, which are out there. And for me, since I have my sons, which are I've got I've got three, only one ended up in, in supply chain. Yeah, they also expect something different. Um, there is an, a really nice saying when you talk about, for example, data-driven culture. Data-driven culture will happen to the board uh, as soon as the generation which is born in. Let's say the 90s will will hit the boardroom because they they just thrive on, on on data on applications on AI on machine learning and they just don't accept that say this old spreadsheet lookalike planning book uh, which comes in. The in conclusion of the book, right? So you gave the current iteration of ChatGPT an overall score of seven out of ten, and we know that the version four is coming out at the end of uh, April uh, here this year. So what do you think it needs to do? What does it need to improve before you give it a 10 out of 10? And uh, you know, should us humans even want it to get that good? Oh, that's a, that's a challenging question. But for me, it's about uh, connecting the dots, uh, placing it into context. Uh, and I think language models have been evolving uh, a lot the last years. Huh? So I think that we can now have those bi-directional models that basically can interpret the text and can come and basically give solid answers like ChatGPT is, is doing. I think the next step is that you can also give knowledge that is fitting into the domain that is uh, workable in the domain of supply chain, that is connecting the dots in the supply chain, that gives a human-like experience as a consultant or as a supply chain professional in the domain. And I think that is, uh, that is something that, uh, that's, yeah, that, 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 we need, that we need to expect to come up with. So no pressure here, but uh, you know, the title of the book, AI Consultancy is Dead, is it dead? I would say not at all, um, and, and I think the reason for it is that uh, uh, AI only learns from available knowledge, and we will never push boundaries if we keep using existing knowledge. We will have incremental uh, improvements. We will not be transformational. We will not realize breakthroughs, and the only way to create breakthroughs is to do fundamentally new things. And I think that also in science, and especially also in science, but if you translate that also back to what does it mean towards the practical world, I think also here we will say that transformation, uh, fund fundamental change, breakthrough, still requires 
humans and will only push boundaries by having humans uh, uh, pushing them. And I think driving the change, change management, will be a key element in doing so. So, and I think that is still the domain consultants are good at. So, I'm not worried, at least not till my pension. <laughs> and in addition to it, it's like it's like when you're a consultant and you go to a new client and you would only implement what you implement at your last client. Then then the then your client would say, okay, yeah, that's nice, but I don't get ahead. So every time you do an implementation of something, if it's SMP or forecasting, you need to make a step ahead. Uh, and as long as you cannot capture that step ahead in a chatbot, there will be there will be room. But it will be it will be a different way of, of consulting. It will be um, much more, much more on, on, let's say, pushing the, the boundaries even more for a client. Let's say, okay, th th this is what you can get from chat, uh, chat GPT, which is standard or from any other chatbot. But if you really want to make it stick, you have to push this or you have to do that. And I think that's comparable to what we did in the consultancy, let's say, over the last 40 years. Every next client you want to help a bit better uh, his competitor. And then his competitor comes to you, and of course, you're also going to help them. And at the end, you, everything's going to be better. So uh, before I let you go, I want to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests. It's the same final question, which is what book would you say has had the biggest impact on your life, apart from any of it you've written, by the way, uh, whether it's from a personal or professional standpoint and why? And initially I wanted to study history before I went there and ended up in planning. Um, and that was initiated by a book and there's, a, there's now a movie on Netflix uh, from Messenger's Noise from Erich Maria Remarque, which is a, a German author. It's about the stupidity of war. Um, and that's for me really an important book that, uh, yeah, you, you, and it, please look for consensus and try to solve it together instead of going into some sort of stupid thing, which is called war. And I think it's really uh, appropriate now again. So that would be my, the, the book that really changed my, my life. I, I didn't end up studying history, but that's a different story. That's all quiet on the Western Front, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, quiet. Sorry, I just mentioned the joke. Yeah, all quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, uh, which is for me a really beautiful book. I know it's, you have the movie on Netflix, but. Ike, what about you? Uh, I, I would like to keep it in the professional domain. Uh, the book that inspired me during my study to continue in the field of supply chain and operations was uh, the book called *The Goal* by Goldratt, the founder of the theory of constraint. It's a classic one. If some of your listeners have not read it, they definitely must read it, but I assume 80% has read it and know what it is about. But that inspired me as a, as a young master student to say, okay, this domain, it's so common sense and it's so fun to work in it. This is what I would like to do when I'm, uh, when I grow up and when I have uh, finished my studies. And that's what happened. So it was genuinely inspirational. Well, I want to thank you both for being here. I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge and for giving us this information about ChatGPT, which is, you hear about it all the time. Uh, for my listeners, check out the book. It's an ebook. It's AI Consultancy is Dead, 100 plus SNOP questions answered by ChatGPT. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'm sure we'll see you again. Thank you, Maria. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thank you. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me 
by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what the P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.